everybody, Tyler Smith here. More than one lesson. Minisode number 26. We are well on our way. Uh, and we're just going to get right into it because we're going to be doing a, a double record today, letting you, uh, you know, give you a peek behind the curtain here. Uh, so I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hey. How you doing? Doing all right. One day, one day you're going to say, welcome in my co-host, and it'll just be somebody different. And everyone will be like, was that? Has it always been someone different? Will they be able to remember? Probably not. No. Yeah. You'll just, you know, you hear, okay. Did you ever watch Family Matters when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, so, okay, there's, there's, you know, the parents, right. the sassy grandma, mm-hmm. the, like the sister-in-law, mm-hmm. there's Urkel next door. Urkel, of course. Then there's the, the older son, Eddie. Okay. Then there's the daughter, Laura. Laura, I remember. Okay. Then there was another daughter. What was her name? Don't know? Mm, Laura Jr. That's, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either, but she was on the show. Mm-hmm. For years. Yeah. Never really got a storyline of her own. <laughs> and she wasn't she wasn't like the Rudy Huxtable where she when where when the show first started she was cute enough to register as like, oh she's the cute little kid. She was old like she was, you know, ten or like maybe ten or eleven. Uh-huh. Not to imply that a ten or eleven year old can't be cute, but that's not that's not the role she was playing. Hmm. And so and they like never gave her a storyline, but she just kept showing up, kept showing up. And then I think for the last two seasons they just wrote like she's just gone. They didn't even write her out. <laughs> they just realized the character <laughs> is super, superfluous, and if she literally went away, no one would notice. And by the way, no one did. <laughs> like five years after the show finally ended, they were like, "No, wait a minute, wasn't there a girl in the first few seasons?" And then, and invariably, the person would be like, "Yeah, Laura." I think so. And then they would just move on from there. Yeah. It's and okay. it happens. It happens all the time with the West Wing, which I believe you and, really? and your wife have been watching. Uh, or she's her. watched the whole thing. I've seen snippets of it here and there enough okay. so that I have to be like, "Is that the girl that so and so, or is that okay. the person that?" And people seem to come and go on that so rapidly. Well, that's there. There are some instances where, like, be, because of like. Uh, something that the staff the white house staff is working on they have to work with somebody else from, like a, speci- yeah. a very specific staff member from another office or something like that and that person will show up for like maybe four or five episodes and right so there'll be an arc where somebody just pops in but yeah right but in the first season there was a character named uh mandy played by moira uh, moira kelly uh and she i don't remember the the title of her character i don't remember uh uh the role that she played but she wasn't like she wasn't like an official staff member. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like somebody the White House brought in, but was going to be like a permanent fixture. Like she was in the opening credits and all that. Uh, but she just, you just watch over the course of the first season and they just keep, clearly they, they keep looking for places to fit her in. And then they realize there is no place to fit <laughs> they her in. They couldn't get her in. And so season two starts and she's just gone. There's no mention of her ever again. There's no mention of, like, they could have said, like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, we lost Mandy to so-and-so politician or whatever, you know, or, or some, you know, independent law firm or something. Like, or, it would, oh, did you hear Mandy drowned in the river? There's an option as that well. could have been something. Uh, and so, like, it would have taken maybe, you know, a line or two, and then you're, then you're done, you know? And it doesn't take much. But nothing. Did not mention <laughs> 
anything. <laughs> and so uh, fans of the West Wing said that uh, she would go to be on uh, Mandyville. She went. She moved to Mandyville. And so mm-hmm. anytime a character would show up, be there for a while, and then just disappear, and then just disappear. They all. They all. Go, they're all living in Mandyville. They went to Mandyville. So someone uh, should make a show called Mandyville. All those characters. I would venture to say no one would watch it, or at the very <laughs> least, no one would know when it was on. Um, but yeah, and so it, that's so you mentioning that like suddenly there's just a new co-host just or a new no co-host. co-host, and no one notices. The first thing I think of is that Family Matters thing, yeah, and how terrible I would feel for that actress <laughs> that she's been on the show like five years, yeah, and then then the, the makers like, hey, I know you've been on this five years literally no one would miss you or even notice you were gone we're just you're gonna... fired <laughs> why couldn't you be more memorable <laughs> maybe if you'd done something interesting you know yeah you'd still be on the air yeah it's just it's such and the child too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's just something i i find interesting but uh but we've spent too much time on this uh <laughs> people are always saying we don't talk enough about family matters on this show so there you go i One think they're the talking fans. about just the term family you know we don't talk enough about matters concerning the family oh i wish i'd thought of that beforehand because i i've got so mm. much to say about family matters yeah when I was too late kid, now so urkel like really caught on <laughs> you know in the in the pop right? culture people would say did i do that or hey laura or, or like got any cheese yeah that was, that was, that was a thing right uh tgif and, yeah, absolutely. Was that TGIF? Yeah. That- oh, that's TGIF. Okay. That's yeah. It reeks of TGIF. <laughs> that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, but as a kid, I remember being like, this guy. I didn't find him funny. I just found him so annoying. I was like, <laughs> he doesn't live here. Why not just say, Steve, don't come over anymore. We don't want you here. You make everything worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt about Mork and Mindy. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I'm like, come on, Mork. You belong on Orc. <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of me, but this is a, this is something I was very passionate about as a kid. Um, anyway, so moving on, uh, no real announcements to speak of this week, um, except that podcast awards are still going on. I think you you have through the fifteenth to get in your votes. You can vote once a day per email address, incidentally. That's something I don't necessarily like to put out there. But if you, like myself, have several email addresses, then let's win this thing. Let's let's go get it. Just get them out there. Get those votes out there. So you can go to podcastawards.com or you can go to more than one. Le- if you can't remember that, which it seems like you could. But uh, if you can't remember that and you are frequenting more than one lesson.com, there's a little button that'll take you right there. And then mm-hmm. you scroll down to the religion inspiration category, click on more than one lesson, keep going down, write in your name, your email address. They will send you an email to verify your vote. Uh, it's easy. Easy as pie. Easy as pie. And I would really appreciate your support. Uh, and then we won't find out till like January uh, if we won or not. But uh, I'm going to say no, we didn't. But yeah. you know what? Never lose hope. Never lose hope. Never give up. Never Surrender. Never Surrender. That's from Galaxy Quest. Yes. That's a good movie. By the... By the... By, what is it? Like, by Grabthar's Hammer, by you will Grabthar's be Grabthar's Hammer, that's what it was. Man, that's a, <laughs> that's a good movie. I gotta rewatch that. I own it. You know. I haven't seen it for a while. We get it. You're like Star Trek. <laughs> oh, that was that was off air. <laughs> yes. Um, I'll explain this. Uh, before before we get into <laughs> this it. is a game that you can play at home and yeah it probably uh, is just as much fun basically it involves going into 
you you kind of play the you have to play the character of the guy who's not impressed by anything. Yeah. Uh, now in this case, we stuck with movies, but you can say it about almost anything. Mm-hmm. And basically, you have to adopt a certain tone of voice. You say we get it, and then you have to oversimplify everything. If you can oversimplify. In the in the case of movies, the entire movie in one sentence or like three words. Yeah, a, a short perfect. sentence. You know, like today we're going to be talking about my second favorite movie, Citizen Kane. And so I like the idea of this guy. He watches Citizen Kane, largely considered to be the best movie of all time, or at least now the second best. Thanks a lot, <laughs> sight and sound. Um, and he just says, "I get it. He's rich and sad." You know, like. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to the movie, but yes, the character is rich, and yes, he is sad. So, strictly speaking, this guy's not wrong, but just the guy who's just reductive. But I also like the idea of the guy who actually latches on to thematic elements, but reduces those, nonetheless. And just like, I can't think of the movie, but just watching, like, I get it, loss of innocence. (laughs) Like that's a very point. That can be a very poignant theme, but the fact that this guy is just exas- uh, exasperated by I it. I get it. Military industrial complex. <laughs> so, uh, so, and just you know, you could read the Bible and be like, "I get it. God loves me." <laughs> Moving on, but uh, I've got other things to get to. Yeah, I, I have other things to get. So, um, anyway. <laughs> So it's a fun game you can play with your friends. Probably take we could probably throw quotes around fun game and probably friends too because they <laughs> won't be your friends much longer if you play this game. Cuz that's the thing. The key is to not announce that you're playing the game, but just mm-hmm. start going into character and see if anybody plays with you. So, anyway, uh so we're going to move on. Uh so the movie that we're talking about is indeed my second favorite movie of all time. Citizen Kane, directed, produced, co-written, and starring Orson Welles. So, here we are. This is going to sound. This sounds strange. I know it's. I know it's weird, and this won't make sense to anybody because not everybody makes lists the way I do. But I make mm. a lot of lists. You can follow me on Letterboxd if you want to see how many lists that There's I. There's a lot of lists on there. Yeah. I just found that out myself. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Uh, Citizen Kane, from when I first saw it in, let's see, 98? So I I think I was 16 when I saw it. It might have been earlier. I might have been 15. Mm -hmm. But anyway, when I first saw it, it blew me away. And I knew its reputation. I knew that it was considered to be the best movie of all time. Uh, But there were plenty of... But you know what? I, I saw, oddly enough, I saw Casablanca at the time, considered to be one of the best movies of all time. I watched that and was not blown away by it at the time. Uh, so a movie being considered the best did not immediately bias me towards it. In fact, it was kind of a contrarian at the time. And so uh, if anything, it's just like, oh, this is the best. All right, let's see what you got. And to me at the time I had seen the Godfather and I was like, I don't see how anything could be better than this, mm. which is odd because you'll you won't find the Godfather on my top ten. But um, but I was just like, I don't I don't see how you get better than this. And then I saw Citizen Kane, and I was so 
astounded by it, by not merely the filmmaking prowess, because that's something that at the time I don't think I could totally understand or, or totally appreciate. But the to me, the story resonated and the character arc resonated quite a bit. And I just, I, I was, I just, when the movie was over, I just sat there in my, you know, parents' basement watching it on a 19-inch screen. Just <laughs> VHS. Throwing, what was that? VH, VHS. Oh, of course. <laughs> just throwing it in casually. Just being like, well, this is supposed to be the best movie of all time. I'll give it a shot. And I just sat there, and I was like, this is... I, there were no words for it. And by the way, there kind of still aren't. And it has been my favorite movie of all time for a very long time until I made my most recent top 100 list. Uh, in which, and it was replaced by something else, which we'll get to later. Although I th- I've already said it, but um, something else, the Woody Allen movie, anything else, anything else. Yeah. No, it's not replaced by anything else. <laughs> it's something very specific. Something else. Um, and so it's strange talking about it as my second favorite film. I feel that this is not going to make any sense to anybody. I feel like I'm being. I feel like I'm talking about an ex-girlfriend or an ex-wife. <laughs> I feel like I'm being disloyal to a friend by having it, by designating it as my second favorite movie. Hmm. Um, even though, like, my first favorite movie, it's not like I saw it recently and it's like a flash in the pan, like, it just hit me. I saw it 11 years ago, so mm-hmm. I've got some history with that one as well. And it did occur to me uh, recently, more recently than maybe it should have. I think I probably should have realized this a while ago, that my number one, mm, uh, this, this may take, this may be significant. I don't know. I was watching my number one for the first time. I did the math. I was watching my number one movie for the first time at probably the exact moment that my dad died. Hmm. Uh... I don't, th- I don't think that influences anything, because um, I watched other movies that day that didn't wind up that you know in my top hundred at all. Hmm. But uh, I and it was only like maybe two weeks ago that I was like, hey, you know what? <laughs> oh, I should have realized that earlier, right? Huh. Um, so it was very strange. It was very strange. So that, that means weird. that I can tell you specifically the first day, like the day that I saw my number one. But we'll get to that, that another time. So. But that's the thing is Citizen Kane is one of the movies that changed the way I looked at film. It mm-hmm. is a movie that is in many ways perfect. It is a movie that I think I put on the list of the filmmaker is doing something that I and I think he has an idea of what he's doing. But I think he also is exploring something that even he doesn't totally understand. Hmm. Um, it's, you know, the story of a of a of an idealistic young rich guy who decides to run a newspaper after his uh, after his parents come into like a, into a lot of money as a result of I think like a silver mine or something like that, and so they decide well, and his parents are kind of you know backwoods, not even blue collar, but poor. They're like poor people, but they suddenly come into some money, and so. Uh, but they're like, well, we have money, so now our son can be raised well, but we're not the ones to raise him. We don't know how to do that. So they actually put their son in the care of this 
single man who's very rich and will make sure that this guy basically he'll act as caretaker for young Charles Foster Kane. And so Charles grows up without really the love of his parents. He has a caretaker and he also is is given pretty much anything he ever wanted. So that's the thing. And I want to incorporate all these all these elements that undoubtedly played into who he would become and the tragedy of his life. Uh, you know, wanting, like knowing the things he wants and knowing that he longs for a relationship with other people, but also recognizing, though he, the, the audience recognizes that the nature of relationship is that sometimes people are going to disagree with you. Sometimes you're going to hear something you don't like. Mm-hmm. And then you have to adapt. You have to make that work. Um, but this is a character who didn't have that kind of relationship with anybody early on and didn't really get challenged that much. If he got kicked out of a college, which he often did, he could just go to another one and just then and then another one and another like he's never been challenged and he's never had that relationship, but he still longs for it. But because of things that were beyond his control as a kid, um, it, it it seems like the the deck the deck is stacked against his ever being happy, um, but he will also cause a lot of unhappiness in other people. Um, so that's the thing. Like that's that's it in a nutshell. But there's so much more to it. And yes, I can talk about the technical brilliance of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and I can talk about that at length. It's beautiful to look at it's it was the dp was uh greg toland Mm -hmm. and they do amazing things with depth of field the art direction is is gorgeous uh the sound design you know wells come came directly from radio and knew how to use sound uh to tell a story um i believe somebody it might have been roger ebert who said one of the things one of the interesting things about citizen kane is that you can shut your eyes and still follow the story even though there are flashbacks that like mm-hmm. so, there are always audio audio cues to show a change in time and a change in scene mm-hmm. um it's very interesting and i've never done it because why would i want to watch a movie with my eyes closed especially when it's beautiful as that but it's an, it, an interesting experiment mm-hmm. um i've never heard that before that's interesting yeah and i've read a few biographies on orson wells and uh one of them was a guy by a guy named Simon Cowell, who you might actually no, sorry, Simon Callow. <laughs> sorry, it's a different different configuration of L's and W's. Uh, Simon Callow, who is an actor that you might have seen in Four Weddings and a Funeral and a number of other things, but he uh, one thing that he talked about was just that Wells, especially with Citizen Kane, like he was sort of forced to collaborate with people, even though he wasn't much of a collaborator. He didn't like to do that. Mm. Um, but you know, with Greg Toland and then with the writer Herman Mankiewicz, um, and then with the, uh, I forget, did John Hausman produce that or were they, had they severed it by that time? I think he might've produced it by himself, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Mm. No, I'm wrong. Sorry. John Hausman, uh, uh, produced, uh, you know, helped produce that, mm. uh, and then they would have a, a horrible uh, uh, partnership-ending uh, argument later on in their lives. Oh. But so, but but it, but Simon Callow mentions that like the one thing that Wells could honestly bring to the table on his own 
was the use of sound because he was well trained in that. And so I don't want to focus too much on on that. But and I could talk about the acting. The acting is uniformly pretty great. Um, And you also see people at various ages. And so there's some makeup in there. And I think the makeup is really solid. The fact that the film is shot in black and white, I think, might cover up some of the makeup. Mm. Uh, you know, like uh, some of the aging effects might, if it was shot in full color, might not look that great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I could talk about all that and that would be fine, but it really is character and theme and the way that it's written, certainly, that affected me most. Like it could be shot like a John Cassavetes movie, mm. but if the script and the characters and the themes explored were the same, I think I would still have loved it. Yeah. So, okay. I've been talking about it for a while. Mm-hmm. This is Citizen Kane we're talking about. A lot of people have seen it. Uh, you have seen it, though not for a while. It's right? been a long time since I've seen it, and so I feel like I don't have a lot of authority with which to speak about it. Um, but I do remember it being one of those things that... Uh, I think we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about Star Wars, but just one of those films that seems like it it's it's the whole package, you know, it's got in every um in every aspect that you can critique filmmaking, it feels like it's 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 got it going on, if you will. <laughs> Thank you. Um so happy I deferred to you. <laughs> But like you said, like the story and the characters are there, but then the, you know, the visuals are there. Like you said, sound, everything, the music, everything's sort of, everything is working together the way it should be to promote the story the way it should in the most effective manner. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that when you watch it, it's, it's hard to find anything that you're like, they could have done that better or differently and it would have been more effective it's it's almost you can't seem to find things like that and even other films that i love you can find a moment or two like that you can find one actor you don't like or something and it's and it winds up being i mean we've i forget i forget what it was but we were recently talking about movies that we consider to be perfect from a stylistic point of view or from Uh from a narrative point of view or something like that um citizen kane is in my opinion perfect but here's the thing a lot of movies have been that i would venture to say are technically perfect also wind up being a bit soulless Hmm. and people have certainly accused citizen kane of being a little emotionally cold Mm -hmm. and i can see why someone would would say that because there aren't a lot of moments of raw emotion but there are a few there is a wonderful scene in which Charles Foster Kane's wife has just left him after he has done everything he can, which is quite a bit. He's done everything he can to keep her there. And she leaves and he just destroys her room. It's just and it's just a just a wide shot, not a lot of not a lot of cutting. I think it's just a just a long take of this old man I mean, it really is the embodiment of, like, impotent rage. And I don't say impotent because of, you know, that use of it. But just literally, this guy wants to do something and he can't. And that usually does not go over well with this guy because he's always been able to do almost anything he wants. Mm. And and he's being rejected. And that's the thing. He genuinely cares for this person and wants her to care about him. And then she leaves because 
he is quite poisonous to her and he just destroys this room and it's such a it's such raw emotion but also right before that where he pleads with her to not go i mean i there is not a great deal of emotion in the film but there is some and the stuff that is there does not feel forced it feels organic and i just so it's a film that is perfect but is not in my opinion soulless Mm-hmm. But then also, there are movies that I think are could be considered technically perfect, but they they have a to kind of keep with the soulless thing. They almost feel like hermetically sealed. Like you watch it, we make jokes about it earlier, but like you watch it, you get it, and that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like it doesn't have anything to explore, or if it's going to explore, it will be in a way that is clear like and concise very cut and dried you're done there's even if it's a even if it's a complex theme it's like we will explore it and it will then be explored right here are the things now you're done you've thought about it you're you know yeah it's all wrapped up whereas this one it just it really feels like even in the midst of making a really technically complex film that you know from a first-time director who clearly needed to exert a great deal of control over his set um, there's just something fascinating about all these people working on this thing that in many ways is perfect. And yet, if you were to ask somebody like, hey, what's the theme of Citizen Kane? Now, when I was young, I said, oh, power corrupts. Yes, that's that. It is there. That's like the top layer. Mm-hmm. Um, but underneath, it's like, all right, uh, longing for human relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there. Yeah. It's like, all right, uh, the, it's like, if you want to get specific, you could say, you know, the need for uh, parental involvement in the lives of children. That it's, that is a, one could say a, a deeply important theme to everybody in, to everybody that has ever lived is the desire as children to be loved by your parent. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow to, to say that the theme of this film is as specific as that seems somehow shallow. Yeah, because it's bigger than that, but it also is that. Yeah, it's there's just so much going on with the film. I've seen it, I don't know, probably eight times, um, maybe more. Um, and every time, more than anything, yes, I'll I'll think of things that I didn't think of before. But the big thing that I will that will occur to me is just like I I don't know anything. I don't know anything about this movie. And I, and I say that it, it's humbling. It's not, I don't say that in a way that like I beat myself up about it because I am prone to beat myself up, but it's, it's humbling in a way that is surprisingly in, for me, it's freeing hmm. where it's just like, you don't have these characters figured out any more than one could say Charles Foster Kane has his relationships figured out. Yeah. You know, I mean, people have, the character collects statues Although he doesn't actually place them anywhere, he intends to keep them in their crate. Um, and people have said, you know, oh, you're just like, oh. I, th- I think a character says this. It's been so long since I've, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. So sometimes I take, uh, I incorporate outside criticism into the film itself. <laughs> like somebody inside the film said it. I thought you were going to say outside lines. Like I end up putting in stuff that was actually in two and a half men and remembering like, did that happen? In Citizen? Oh, that yeah, was two yeah. and a half men. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, I love that scene where Ashton Kutcher. No, that was Joseph Cotton. <laughs> um, 
But uh, but the idea that you know he collects statues, like life-size statues. So it's basically like he's collecting people, but people that won't put up a fight. But then when he actually, you know, whether it be his best friend or his wife, like people who actually will put up a fight, he, he's, he doesn't know what to do. And he's faced with, it's like, yeah, you don't just get everything you want. And as it turns out, there are other people in the world mm-hmm. and it's not just you. And something that as time has gone on, you know, I, I look back at me as a young film viewer and I think, and I wanted to like see all the movies so that I could sort of, this is going to sound strange, so that I could sort of possess them. It's like, I've mm-hmm. seen all the movies. I have you, them. You gain their power. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know what? I get them. <laughs> uh, but as time has gone on, it's like, no, you, there are movies that yes, can be easily understood. And to a certain extent, you can possess them. You can get them and move on. But it's nice to be reminded, like, you really don't know that much, and that's fine. It's okay not to know that much. Yeah, I think it's great if there are movies that every time you watch them, you learn something new. Not necessarily even about the movie, but just, you know, it it teaches you something new. Yeah. It's like talking to, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, When I was going to get married, I was was struggling to find a metaphor for what it was what it was like to be married. And I came up with life imprisonment. (laughs) Oh, good. Here's the thing though. But like (laughs) that to me did not sound like a negative thing. I just meant like, like the, you, you enter in, like you enter into a life sentence and your first day, you have no concept of what that means. You like Jen just recently watched uh, Shawshank Redemption. And, uh, and so I just think of like, Oh, that first day. So that's what I came up with at the time. It's like, but that's inherently negative. And the nature of prison is that it doesn't change. And so I was like, there's got to be a better metaphor. And then I thought, oh, my relationship with Citizen Kane, that's what it is. <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's amazing. I think completely different things about it now than when I first saw it. And I love And as a result, I love it more now that I've engaged with it more and acknowledged that I'm not going to conquer this one. Mm-hmm. this one is going to continue to challenge me for as long as I'm alive mm-hmm. and not unlike another person, but that's, that's invigorating. That's a great thing Yeah, to not know what someone's going to say and not know what, a, what everything a movie is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really is just like a, a treasure and the, and that's the thing I've seen movies since citizen Kane that have, that have given me that feeling. But I think that was the first one. Hmm. That was the first one that said that, that challenged me. And even though I, I thought it's like, Oh, power corrupts. It's like, even then I knew it's like, but that's, that doesn't seem like that's just the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, you know, I don't know what else I can say. I feel, and the more I talk about it, the more it's just like, maybe this still is my favorite movie (laughs) of all time. I'm not, I'm not sure The next time I make my list, Maybe it'll pop back up to number one. Well, if you're still going with that wife analogy, you better say it is you're still your favorite movie of all time. Fair enough. You know. <laughs> but I, I have a new wife now. I have a better <laughs> wife. No, I, I, don't th- I don't think my number one is better than Citizen Kane. I just think, mm. I, think I, as, I, as a movie watcher, has, I've changed, and I, there are things that I look for more. But yeah, um, That's one of the whole things with the list. Um, I, we may have said this a little bit before, but for people who might come into this and be... And be uh, you know, shocked or angered that certain movies aren't on there. Like, yeah. 
uh, I guess we shouldn't say which ones aren't on there yet because they might be thinking like, well, okay, this last one's got to be yeah. such and such. Um, so I won't say anything yet. But there are there are particular movies that are great that I that we both think are great that are not on here. But um, when we're talking about our top tens, it's more just sort of what are the movies that mean something to you and are effective to you and like why do you love them? And uh, that's – so they are uh, subjective. I've come to view this list, which I would ma- I used to make like every three years, I think. Um, and it used to be like this definitive thing. Not the movies that I thought were the best. I never considered it that. But like the movies that I responded to the most. It was yeah. always that. It was always favorite. Um, yeah, because there are movies that are, I think are good that I don't like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think 2001, A Space Odyssey, is a masterpiece that I do not enjoy watching. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Though I haven't seen it in a while, and I think I'd probably enjoy it even more now. But um, which is to say, at all, uh, that's not true. I enjoyed <laughs> some of it. That Hal stuff is solid. But um, but yeah, now these days, if I make a list, it's more just kind of I like it to be a snapshot of where I am as a moviegoer at that moment. Because I could make my top hundred list now, and then make it again tomorrow. It's not going to be the same. You know, mm-hmm. like placement. Really, what does it matter? Top ten. My top ten has changed over the years, you know, yeah. with the movies that I've seen, and and just I've had different life experiences. You know, I've experienced loss, I've experienced love, and you know, I've become an adult. You know, and that will have an impact on how you approach art. I think. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it's, but it does feel it does feel kind of sad right now that I'm talking <laughs> about this movie, and I, I mean, I'm. I, I feel passion for it right now, like how much I, you know, just thinking how much I love it and what it did for me as a film viewer um, and not be talking about it as my favorite film at the moment. Um, so, yeah, but it's a, it is a wonderful film. If you haven't seen it, I like I specifically without it's so interesting. We are th- almost 35 minutes in and I have not said the word Rosebud once. Because really, one thing that I love about the movie is that's that's the device, that's the thing, that's the MacGuffin. One could say that gets everything going is that it's Charles Foster Kane's dying word is Rosebud, and so we need to find the the viewers need to find out well what does that mean? What is you know what is Rosebud? And I won't say what it is. You probably know it already, but anyway. Um, but that's and what what I love is this thought of if I just had this one thing, if I just had this one piece of information, then this person's life would make sense. And while when it is revealed what Rosebud is, it does throw certain things into perspective, but it's not solved, mm. you know? And uh, and that's, yeah, I don't remember why I felt like ending on that note, but it's just a, it's just a film that there you can talk so long about and oh, that's right. Because I was get because I, I want to say like I, I've remained spoiler free, and the big spoiler is like oh, what is Rose? But it doesn't it doesn't matter really. <laughs> yeah, I mean it does. It reveals something about character, right? But, but it's, it's not, not the point. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about it is it gets you asking this question. It's like you're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, oh boy, we should watch it again. I do. Oh, boy, I own indeed. it on. I own it on Blu-ray now, and I, I have to assume it's beautiful. I'm sure it is. I haven't watched it yet, but anyway. So yeah, well, 
you and I, the minute we stop recording, you and I are going to go, Just we're going to watch right Citizen away. Kane. We're going to watch the whole thing, then we're going to watch it again with our eyes closed. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> but anyway, all right, well, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, I believe next week or the week after, I'm not sure, we're going to talk about Josh's second favorite movie of all time. So, and then uh, we'll, pro- we'll probably do some some like you know real full-length episodes uh and then it's on to our number our numbers one that's true it's very exciting but uh but yeah so in the meantime if you haven't seen citizen kane please seek it out and uh uh and enjoy because i I don't know if it will change your life but uh you certainly will not forget it uh all right so uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Josh, as always, thanks for being here. Well, you're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. <laughs>